0: I want you to know that for fall break, the Stauffer family divided and conquered. Um, I got some pictures to show you, but Clayton and I went to the Outer Banks with my, uh, my father-in-law and uh, we got to fish and we got to go to the beach and we got to relax here. And then Megan took Montgomery and Wade and, and her mom and they went to Disney and they did uh, Harry Potter World and, and what else, uh, uh, Star Wars. And in full transparency, I've referred to Disney World before as an expensive hassle. Okay, I'm not gonna. I love Disney World. The kids love it, but I went a couple of years ago. It's not my idea of a vacation. It costs a lot of money. You know, you're worn out. You wait in line for like two and a half hours for a ride, and you're like, that was it. You know, that's all we got. Um, so Megan did it. My my mother-in-law took took one for the team. But last Saturday morning, Clayton and Bob and I went out. We went down to Oregon's inlet in the Outer Banks. And so the Outer Banks in North Carolina, you got the sound and you got the ocean, and we were gonna go fishing. Um, we did go fishing, and we, we left as the sun was coming up. And so I got a couple of pictures here to show you. this sun coming up over the Atlantic Ocean, pretty neat. And But to get out of Oregon's Inlet, you have to go through this one narrow spot. And because of the, the, the tide and the sandbars, there can be massive waves, like 10 to 12 foot waves. And so they can turn over big fishing boats when you're trying to go out into the ocean. And so first I was like, oh, this boat's massive. You know, we did a little charter and, and and we got out there, and so Clayton's sitting down, Bob and I are standing up, and the captain shouts out, "Hey, you know, you guys might want to sit down, you know." And I'm sure under his breath he's like, "Morons, you know." So we sat down, and um, we we're going out to the ocean. I mean, these waves are serious. and It took us two or three times to try to get out into the ocean just because of the waves coming in at, at, at Oregon's Inlet. It was uh, it was it was a really um, well, it was a, a really big deal, and um, and so 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 basically. Here's what I was thinking, because I'm a preacher. Um, I said, you know, this is like life. This is like life. We're, We're trying to go somewhere, we're with the people that we love, we're looking forward to something, seems fairly simple, and we keep having all of these waves. Coming at us and crashing towards us and coming into us, and all of a sudden I realized, man, these waves could turn over this boat. I mean, we could end up upside down swimming in Oregon's Inlet because of these waves, and it just doesn't seem like that's what we we're signing up for. But yet, isn't that like life? We're just living our lives and doing things, and it keeps coming at us and coming at us and coming at us. And it seems it seems really hard. It it, it seems like sometimes it doesn't stop. I know. I know I felt that way the last couple of years. We're going to start this series today on the fruits of the Spirit, and um, to be honest with you, I, I forgot my sermon, so it's down the hall. So I'm not worried about it. But um, <clears throat> so I'm just going to give you a sermon. We'll see what happens here. Okay? <clears throat> um, I did the children's moment, and I said, you know, in John's Gospel, it's, Jesus says, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, then you'll bear good fruit, right? But if you don't abide in Christ and if you get disconnected from God and from your spirit, spiritual life, you won't. And so I was walking out this morning and I found these two branches on one of our trees. Um, and, um, and, and, and this is, uh, <laughs> the, oh, yeah, oh, Jay, you got my sermon. Uh, I think I don't need it. Um, so I appreciate that, man. Some people are like, I don't need God. I don't need Christ. I don't need faith. I'm doing just great. Right. Meanwhile, they're dried up and shriveled up. I don't know about you, but I felt this way during the pandemic. It's when I wasn't embodying the fruits of the Spirit very well. But then you look at somebody who has remained in Christ and they're nurturing their soul and they're connecting with their friends and they're serving and they're giving back. and, 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 and And it looks like this. So my question for you as we begin this sermon series on the fruits of the Spirit, which branch are you? Because to be honest with you, I cut both of these this morning and they were both connected to the vine, but one of them was doing a lot better than the other one. And yet you see people are like, I'm good. I'm doing great over here. I don't need God. I don't need faith. Certainly don't need the church, all those hypocrites. God, they're terrible over there, right? And this is what they look like. But if you got sunlight and water and you got friends and you got prayer and you got You got reflection and you got beautiful music and you got services like this. Look at the difference. Paul says in Galatians 5 that there are, you know, it's funny, somebody sent me an email saying, hey, Clay, it's fruit of the spirit. I think it'll catch on fire. It's fruit of the spirit. And I said, no, Jesus says it's fruits of the spirit. Um, What are they? There's nine of them. There's nine fruits. It's love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So here's what I would say to you this morning as we start this series. Of the nine, I don't care if you call it fruit of the Spirit or fruits of the Spirit, which three do you need to work on? And of the three, which one do you really need to work on? Because the odds are you've got at least three of those that you need to hone in on in your life. And of the three, you know, there's got to be one. We live in a world where everything can be measured by data. Everything can be measured by data. Think about it. Um, investments have returns and dividends. Um, colleges have acceptance rates. Um, elections have results and demographic trends. Um, Universities have endowments, even the church. We can count the number of people that are here in this room this morning and we can count the number of people that log in online and give to the church. We can measure all of that, but what about when it comes to your spiritual life? How do you measure how you're doing? How how do you measure how effective you are being at following Jesus Christ? Because guess what? Going to church is, is, is not a given that you're gonna be a good disciple. There's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that go to church week after week and they go throughout their week and they live like this. It's kind of how I felt when they told me the internet was out this morning, right? This is how we live. And and guess what? When we live like this, we treat other people poorly and we don't have patience and we get really frustrated and we get really angry. Christianity is all about two basic commandments. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That sounds really straightforward, right? But guess what? It's not simple. Why? Because there's stress and and there's there's disappointment and people are mean to each other and people say things about each other and there's divorce and there's pandemics and there's elections and there's broken relationships. And, And so all that stuff takes its toll on us and we quickly go from this to this and we don't bear good fruit. We know we're supposed to bear good fruit, but we but we find ourselves not bearing good fruit. And so so we know what we're supposed to do. We know how we're supposed to feel. We know what we're supposed to embody, but sometimes it, it's, it's really hard. There's a book that I'm recommending. I don't think we have it in the bookstore yet, but it's up there on the screen. It's called The Fruit of the Spirit. If you're looking for a book to kind of go deeper over the next five weeks as we talk about these, I would recommend uh, this book by, by Trask um, it's, it's really good and it's, uh, it's very balanced and it talks about all the different fruits of the spirit. But today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just say a few short words about love and joy. I want to talk about love and joy because I don't think that the order of these is random. I think that, that, that Paul knew what he was saying when he put these in the order. So, so let's talk about love. What does the Bible tell us about love? Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then you go to 1 John, says, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. What else does it say? 1 Corinthians 13, you know this passage? Paul says love is patient. Do we show patience with our loved ones? Do we get irritated easily? Do we get frustrated easily? Um, Do we get bent out of shape? Marriage takes patience. Friendship takes patience. Raising children takes patience. Having adult children and grandchildren takes patience, some of you would say. Love is patient, love is kind. You know, kindness matters. And if if we're kind to everybody, except for the people that we love the most, that's a problem. I preached a sermon a few years ago called Love Starts at Home. If you can't be kind and love the people that are in your family, then why are you going out and being kind and loving everybody that you barely know? Um, you know, I love to see Sarah and others, we have Fall Hamilton, but if, if your children are starved for your attention at home, you need to take care of that first before you go and read to other children. Both are important, but we gotta start these things at home with our spouses, with our families. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Um, Arthur Brooks wrote a great great piece for The Atlantic this week, and he basically said that envy is the only one of the seven deadly sins that we don't enjoy. He said, envy is a happiness killer. It's a joy killer. And and if we spend our lives always envious of other people and what they have, that means we're not being grateful for the blessings we have in our lives. Love is is not, uh, insists on its own way. In other words, it's not selfish. Love is not irritable or resentful. Um, I don't know about you, but but I'm, when I'm stressed out, I can get irritable. Um, ask my family, ask the staff. I can get irritable, and when I do that, I know I need to take a break. I know I need some time off. I need a Sunday off. I need to go up to Swanee for a night. I, I need to do something to to clear my head and clear my soul. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. We got a big problem with the truth in our culture, friends. We 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 can't agree on facts anymore. We can't agree on fundamental things. You know, I think it was uh, Mooneyham that said, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. And unfortunately, we can't agree on facts and it's affecting everything. It's affecting everything because we we, we find leaders, all kinds of leaders who are not telling the truth and they know they're not telling the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then Paul says, you know, love, love never ends. You know, what I think Paul is saying is that love has the ability to conquer anything in life. You can get through anything that comes your way, anything that you face. And look, I look out around this room and I see a lot of people that have been through a lot in their life. Um, maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's something that you know you never you never saw coming. But with love and with the support of each other, we can get through it, and we do get through it. And we have to remember that. Now let's talk about joy for a minute. There's so many passages on love, but what about joy? How do we find joy? How do we find it? Can you go look for it? What, what does it look like? How do you experience it? There was a great book uh, that that was written. I don't know how many years ago now, and you all have heard me talk about it over the years. It was written by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And, and basically, it said, it's called the Book of Joy, right? Uh, simple name. But in the book, they said, there's some obstacles to joy, and there's some pillars to joy. Meaning, there are things that get in the way of ex- us experiencing joy, and there are things that absolutely have to be there if we wanna find joy. Let's name the obstacles or some of them. Fear and worry, anxiety, right? frustration and anger, we can say resentment and irritability, loneliness. You know, before we had COVID, we had a loneliness problem in our culture. People were talking about it, writing about it. Then you go for a year and a half where you're not supposed to go anywhere, you're not supposed to see anybody and loneliness went even higher. And so guess what? Divorce goes up and depression goes up, and, and and suicide goes up, and addiction goes up, and all these things happen because people are lonely, and when you're lonely and you feel like nobody cares about you, you're not gonna experience joy. You're gonna ask the question, does anybody care? Does anybody care that I'm struggling? Does anybody care what I'm going through right now? But what are the pillars of joy? Here's a couple, humor. Donovan's not here, he's sick, Again. But um, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I love Donovan because Donovan makes me laugh. And so I think I can make him laugh. Um, be around people that make you laugh. Be around people that, that, that where you don't take life too seriously all the time. Um, I've told you some of my, you know, my favorite jokes over the years. Like during the pandemic, I went, I took Wade to a party at Chuck E. Cheese. Y'all remember this? And um, there are all these families. They're like, I'm, we're being, I haven't seen you in church. We're being really careful with COVID. You know, we don't wanna, you know, we just... And I go to Chuck E. Cheese and I walk in and here's two or three of the families that are, that are being really careful during COVID, playing all the games and popping the thing. And I just stood there and said, you still being careful with COVID? <laughs> they guy kind of looked at me like, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're slow walking it. You know We're gonna come back when time's right. You know My favorite lawyer joke, this lawyer dies, he goes to heaven and St. Peter you know, stands up and he says, hey, w- welcome, we're so glad that you're finally here. And the lawyer says, Well, what do you, what do you mean? You know, and, and St. Peter looks up and said, Well, according to your billable hours, you should be 479 years old. <laughs> the, um, the church in Ireland, the IRS, calls him and says, Is this, you know, is this Father O'Malley? It is. Is this uh is, is this St. Michael's Episcopal Church? It is. Did Bill O'Brien give 30000 dollars to your church last year? He will. <laughs> You gotta laugh, you know? And, and I think the times in life when we experience the greatest joy, we're laughing. We're laughing with each other. We're laughing at each other. We're laughing at ourselves. We can take life too seriously. And, and, and sometimes it can be a problem. Um, gratitude. Gratitude is not just something we do in, in, in November. It's something we should do all the time. You can't experience joy if you're always being envious or jealous of what you don't have. You can't experience joy if you don't acknowledge your basic blessings in life. Gratitude is really, really important. Forgiveness. Do we forgive other people? I've been hurt, you've been hurt. You know, sometimes we say and do things that hurt other people, we don't even know it. And so I look at forgiveness as a recipe for survival, that if you don't forgive and let go, then you keep carrying things that are unnecessary, and ultimately, you get angry, you get resentful, and you crash and burn. And then the last thing, the last pillar that I'll mention, and they give a bunch in the book, is presence, with a C-E. Are we present? Are we present in the moment? We're in worship right now. Are we present? Um, uh, Whatever we're doing, you know, Jay talked last week about uh, in the sanctuary service, about how we're always distracted. And Bob Goff has a new book, some of y'all are gonna study in the connections class. We're always distracted. We're always on our phones. We're always thinking about what's coming up or, or, or what just happened. And we can't be present. And yet, joy happens in the present, it happens in the present moment. Um, yesterday, <laughs> Listen to this schedule, I'm not. this is like everything I preach against, eight o'clock Wade basketball game, nine o'clock leadership breakfast, 10 o'clock uh, Wade football game, 12 o'clock Wade football game, Clayton, two o'clock basketball game, three o'clock basketball game. I was like, this is insane, but yet I found myself saying, before long, these kids are gonna be uh, grown and gone. Am I finding joy in the present, even though a day like that is a day from you know where? And so kids grow up fast. And they get married, and they move on, and, and and you wonder where did the time go, and 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 so you can't just put joy off. You got to be present. and You got to find it. How many of you are um, Tennessee fans? Please don't be ashamed. You can you put your hand up? Okay, so I know you're, you're smiling. You were smiling last week. Um, so out, we were, at, you know, in the Outer Banks, and, and we were watching football. We were going back and forth between the Tennessee-Alabama game and the TCU-Oklahoma State game, back and forth. Two great games if you saw them, right? But I grew up with a mom that went to Alabama, so I'm a lifelong Alabama fan, and a dad that went to Vanderbilt. So I don't dislike UT, I've just never been a fan, right? I, I, it's not, but to see my friends who were there and on, you, you think that the Vol fans just discovered Twitter and Instagram for the very first time, right? To see how happy they were when they beat Alabama after 15 years of not doing it? To see them on the field smoking cigars and ripping down the goalposts and to see the happiness, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And I'm so, I I didn't want Alabama to lose, but I'm so happy for my, my friends that are Tennessee fans. And so what I'm saying is we have to learn to experience joy when the people that we know and love experience joy. We have to learn to, to say, that's not something that I wanted or not something that I would have chosen, but look how happy they are. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that life is too short to not find joy. And I believe that joy and love are connected. There's a reason that, that we've have these fruits, fruit ordered the way they are. You won't experience joy if you don't love. And, 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 and when you love, then you should be happy for other people when they're happy. Would you join me in prayer? Loving God, thank you for the Apostle Paul giving us this list in Galatians that we're gonna talk about in the coming weeks about what does it look like to, to, to follow Christ? What does it look like to, to, to be a, a tied to the vine? What does it look like to bear good fruit? Jesus said you will know them by their fruits and so help all of us, no matter what we're facing, no matter how stressed out we may be, no matter what we're going through, to bear good fruit and to do whatever we can in our heart to cultivate our heart so that we can do just that. All this we pray in Christ's name, amen.